The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this emergency episode of the Heat Check, we're doing it again because the first take wasn't recording. You're welcome. We convene on this Friday, not because of the Kings versus the Warriors, that game was trash buckets, but because of the seismic news from north of the border. Alert! Alert! The Raptors have fired Nick Nurse. They have fired him. He is fired. He is fired. My God. Lots to unpack. Let's get into it, folks. Nick, drop that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna. What a way to wake up in the morning after a late night game, guys. Oh, my God. So I was in San Francisco. Super excited game. Our dogs came to play. Doesn't matter how they dog walk the Kings. It happened. Uh, and I went to the post-game presser, got back super late, made some TikToks, talked to some friends, and I crashed out. And then at, like, 6.30 in the morning my time, my phone's blown up. My phone's blown up. Nick Nurse, Trista. Nick Nurse has been fired by the Raptors. Let's get on it. And we speculated about it, right? We did. We thought maybe he would quit, though. Like, we really did. We thought uh, we talked about it multiple times on the podcast. I thought he would leave um, and go maybe to a place like, I don't know, Philly or Houston or Washington if they fire Wes Unsell Jr. I don't know. I just thought maybe uh, it would be in his own hands. And it kind of seems strange uh, because the Raptors – you could say they had a disappointing season at 41 and 41, but they did still make the play in. They squandered a game against the Bulls where they were up big. They could be in the play- playoffs right now. You could argue that this season really had very little to do with Nick Nurse, right? You look at last season, the Raptors went 48 and 34. They finished fifth in the East. The year before that, of course, it was horrible, but that was post COVID. And they were in uh, Tampa Bay. They were 27 and 45, but again, they were not with their families. They were not in a city that was familiar. There were no fans. Every game was a road game. During the COVID season itself, they were 53 and 19, and before the league shut down, they were the, I think they were the best team in the East. And the year before COVID, of course, they won the title. So I'm not really sure why he's gone, but he's gone. 
as a Raptor head coach, he finishes 390 and 227 and 25 and 16 in the playoff. That's really tough. That's a really good winning percentage. 63% winning percentage? How many fucking head coaches are doing that? Who? Who's doing that? Not many. So what happened? Well, the truth is the roster was weird. We know that. I talked to him at Summer League. He gave me this spiel that he loved. 6'7 to 6'9 guys that were all athletic, positive wingspan, could set screens, uh, could be the roller, could be the screen setter, uh, could be the guy coming off ball, passing. And that, by the way, check that out on the feed if you want to know more about how he sees basketball. And But he also said that he wanted a rim protector, and that was supposed to be Christian Coloco, right? And Christian Coloco really didn't see the court at all. Uh, and they didn't have rim protection pretty much all year until they acquired slow, non-nimble Jakob Pertl at the deadline. So, okay, I get it, but how much of that roster was really on Nick Nurse? And the hard truth I think that most people in the Raptors front office don't want to face is that their roster philosophy might not be correct, right? You want to zig while everybody else is zagging, sometimes you got to zig back because whatever you're doing isn't working. You've got a roster that overlaps way too much. We know that, right? You got OG and Anobi. You got Scotty Barnes. You got Chris Boucher. All of them are playing a similar style of basketball, and you can't really play them all at the same time. One guy's making nine million. One guy's making eighteen million. One guy's making twelve million. None of them are elite shooters. None, as uh, LeBron would say, none of them are exactly lasers. And that's the Achilles heel for this team. Because if you look at their three-point shooting, you look at their field goal percentage, uh, they were third worst in the NBA at both those things. That's not good. That's, yo, straight-up trash bucket. You don't want that. Not in this league. They sacrifice shooting because they're like, oh, yeah, all of our length, we're going to be this amazing defense, and we're going to shut guys down. It doesn't matter if we score because we're going to be so good at shutting other teams down. Um, but, yeah, you finish 10th in defensive rating. That's not good enough. Not when you can't shoot, not when you can't score, and that got them exactly what you would expect, a 500 record. So knowing just how bad they shoot and knowing that they struggled on defense for long stretches of time, it's kind of incredible, actually, they won 41 games. You could actually say Nick Nurse did some of his best coaching this year. And, of course, there's a disparity between the old players on the roster and the young players, the timeline, as they would say. I'm not talking about 30-year-olds and 20-year-olds. I'm talking like first and second-year players and dudes on like their second contracts, guys that are in their mid-30s. Take a guy like uh, Delano Banton. Nick gave him run in the beginning of the season. He balled. He was averaging 11 minutes per game for 14 out of the 15 first games of the year. Ask me why I know that. Do not. I, I was interested in Delano Banton earlier on in the year. He put off 27-4-4, and four, three steals, two blocks in the 14th game. And I was like, this Delano Banton guy is good. And then what happened? He got sent to the fucking G League. Okay. Shams reported. Uh, yeah, that was an issue. Nurse in the front office did not see eye-to-eye on player usage this year, especially when it came to some of the younger, less proven players on the roster. Rare is the executive coaching pair that is perfectly aligned, but it was notable. When someone says it was notable, that means there was friction a lot. That means that people made comments 
Hence the notable part. They were noting it. The results were below everybody's expectations. Banton had a hip injury. He slowed him down. But then he was getting DMPs fully healthy. So did Masai shut him down because he wanted to keep his value low so that he could sign him for less money and hide him from other teams? Or did Nick Nurse not want to play a young guy and he wanted to focus on playing the existing older guys that he could trust? Hard to know. So this was a problem. And then another problem was that the Raptors' vibes were horrible. They've been horrible for a couple of years. For a team that everybody thought was the standard for blueprinting an NBA team, that the Raptors were the team you wanted to replicate, terms of vibes, everybody was unhappy with Nick Nurse. OG was unhappy with Nick Nurse. Uh, Pascal Siakam unhappy. Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent Jr. The list goes on and on. I've got I've got examples, of course. Uh, the list is long. The list of pissed off players is long. Pascal Siakam butted heads with Nick Nurse uh, when Nick Nurse especially called him out in the bubble for being, quote, out of rhythm and playing terribly. Uh, it, it could be part of it. I, I just, um, I don't know. He's, he's already kind of been through deep playoff run and had spectacular games. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why he's been so out of rhythm since the restart in the bubble here. He's, he hasn't had a lot of great games. And, and um, I think that's more of it other than, other than here we are in the playoffs and he's, he's, he's supposed to be our leading guy and just, not sure he's been in great rhythm since the restart. It's too bad because he was spectacular in last year's playoffs. And he was spectacular all season long. So we still got some games to play. Hopefully he can get his, get his rhythm. So it has nothing to do with the fact that Kawhi Leonard is gone and Pascal Siakam has to do all of the, the scoring now. No, he's just not playing well. That's it. He's just not. And he needs to play better. Okay, and their relationship deteriorated to the point where they were fighting on the sidelines. So vibes there, not great. Then you have the Gary Trent Jr. issue. Uh, and again, this has become a pattern where Nick Nurse flames people out in public. That's what he does. He airs them out to dry. That's his style. I guess you can't knock it because he won a title. But Gary Trent Jr. does not like that. Has made mention, hey, if you're going to call me out, why don't you take me aside and not air me out in the media? This is what he said about Gary Trent Jr. in November. We'd like to get him a lot more aggressive on defense this year. It's disappointing. I will say that it's been, I don't know what the word is, it's been a little bit of a negative. He's capable of really getting after the ball and getting his hands on the ball a lot. And that's what we want him to do. We're going to get him his shots. We're going to get him his points. But... We want him to be a disruptor. He kind of fits us if he does that. Remember, Gary Trent Jr. is like 6'3", not 6'7". And if he doesn't, he doesn't fit us at all. And I think some of that is that he hasn't felt great physically for a lot of games this year, so hopefully he's getting to where he feels good starting tomorrow. Jesus Christ. Trent was not in on that. He did not like that. And, of course, OG Ananobi was unhappy, too. Unhappy with his role. Unhappy with the relationship between Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, and him. He wanted to leave town for two years. Nick Nurse said, well, we're going to fix your role. We're going to give you a bigger role. And then he didn't. And then there's Fred Van Fleet. Fred Van Fleet, of course, is unhappy about his contract situation. Why? Because there was rumors that he turned down a big extension uh, for four years, $114 million, and that made him look like he was being salty, being somewhat greedy. 
Apparently, that contract extension was never offered. So then he followed the Toronto Raptors, unfollowed them on Instagram. I'm telling you, the vibes are bad. Uh, Their vibes are bad. He wants his money. Money they're not going to give him. And then, of course, the public reason for the firing is, oh, we're not succeeding. The success isn't there. Oh, we're going to refocus, reset. We're going to put the place, the personnel to help us reach our goal. Like, let's be real. The success wasn't there, but the success used to be there not that long ago. Who fires a coach four years removed from winning the title? Who? Unless you can't fucking stand that guy. Nick was a pioneer of this pace and space offense. And that's now the standard in the NBA. He's worked with Masai since 2013. He must have been getting on Masai's nerves, and Masai must have been getting on his nerves. And, of course, Nick didn't help himself when he talked about his future, uh, maybe leaving the Raptors before his season even ended. It was the end-of-season exit interview while the season had not concluded yet. They were still in the playing tournament. He said, oh, I love it here. We've built this strong culture. Uh, We need to all evaluate how we can get back to the culture of winning and being back to a playoff team and getting to the level of winning at all. And Masai was like, cool. You want to figure out how to get back to that culture? I have an idea. You're fucking fired. Get your shit. (laughs) And they were upset about Nick's comments, of course, because it's like, yo, why are you telling people that you're thinking about leaving? Why are you evaluating your place here? Why are you telling the... No one's asked you about this. What does this mean for Toronto? It all depends on who they hire, really. If they hire Patrick Matumbo, who came from the G League, or Jerry Stackhouse, who used to coach the G League, they're probably rebuilding. If they hire Ime Udoka, who they're rumored to hire, they're probably retooling, and those players will stick around. He'll try to get the most out of them that he can, and we'll see. But the truth is now, the scapegoat is gone. And Masai, all eyes are on you, brother. Because the guy that you said was helping you uh, stay backwards and limiting you from getting to the promised land after you already gone to the promised land four years ago, he's now gone. The cloak of invisibility on you is gone now. You only get one chance to fire your head coach who won you a chip to wash away your sins. And now everything that happens next is on you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's move forward. What the fuck happened in that Philly-Brooklyn game? I'm minding my business. I'm at Chase Center. I'm eating some Golden State ice cream with the blue and yellow sprinkles on it. I'm getting ready for my hit with my show on the radio. And all of a sudden, I see James Harden get ejected. Claxton ejected. Embiid kicked some guy in the nuts. Nick Claxton. Let's break it down. So the Sixers roll into Brooklyn. They're up 2-0. You knew Brooklyn was going to be desperate. That's what they do. Things got out of hand. It began in the first half. Embiid was issued a flagrant one foul. Why? Because he he was upset. Embiid hit the floor when Nick Claxton dunked on him. Nick Claxton gave him the good old AI step over. Embiid was pissed. 
quite obviously, because he, he kicked him in the dick. And then Embiid, one of the first players I've ever seen to do that, not get ejected, only got hit with the flagrant one. And Claxton got hit with a technical for, for taunting. Then, end of the third quarter, James Harden ejected on a truly bizarre call where they thought he punched somebody, Royce O'Neal, in the dick as well. It was so ridiculous that Stephen A. Smith said this. Big perk. I completely agree with you. That might be the worst ejection I've ever seen. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah, worst ejection I have ever seen. Predictably, of course, the Zebras continued to get in the way. Nick Claxton, who only got the technical after dunking on Embiid and getting kicked in the dick, uh, he gets a second technical, which ejects him. Embiid not ejected. Nick Claxton ejected. Should not have been. Harden ejected. Should not have been. So to recap, Embiid in, kicking in the dick, Harden out, punch, possibly, and then Claxton ejected for pounding his chest and stepping over Embiid. And then Jock Vaughn after the game, because the Nets lost that game, as you might expect, was upset. He was very upset. What did he have to say? This. Jock, going off that first tech, what did you make of how that all ended with Nick in the tech and Embiid staying in the game? I don't think I've ever seen that in my career before, Alex, for a guy to uh, intentionally kick someone uh, in an area that none of us want to be kicked at or towards and uh, uh, for him to continue to play. I've never seen that before um, in a game and a guy continues to be able to play. Intentional. Yeah, int wild, wild. It's crazy. The refs are already a problem, and it's only the first round of the playoffs. It's here. It's going to get nuts. Strap up. Put your seatbelt on. Let's move real quick to this because I have to talk about it because we're here. I wouldn't have talked about it until Monday, but here we are. Uh, game three, Kings-Warriors. It was awful. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen in person. It was not beautiful basketball in the least. The Zebras... It looks like maybe they didn't do anything when you look at the box score between fouls of the Warriors and fouls of the Kings. But what I've realized is this. It doesn't matter how many fouls you call. It matters when you call them. It matters how you call them. And it matters who you call them on. I think Kevin Herter had three fouls in the first quarter. Psh, Jesus. Damanis Sabonis was agitated from the beginning. He was getting punched in the face, elbowed in the face, in the jaw, He's getting the ball slapped down. Somebody's hitting his hand. By the way, he's playing with a broken thumb. Looney, of course, was great. He was putting Draymond out of business. Four points, 20 rebounds. Steph was hunting threes. He was amping the crowd up, amping the crowd that was pumping crowd noise in. That, that chase center, they think they're sneaky. They're pumping music in. They're pumping crowd noise in. But that's not why the Kings lost. The reason that the Kings lost is because they can't shoot threes anymore. I don't know what's going on. But they were 8 for 40 at one point for, from three after fitting the, like a couple from the scrubs in the last few minutes. 20% from three. You can't do that. You can't do that against our dubs and expect to win. They were, they were shooting three, Kevin Herter, three for 20 from three in this series. I think it's just because he's out of shape. I think he's running around chasing Clay, chasing Steph, didn't understand that playing for the Sacramento Kings was going to be more work than it was in Atlanta. Shocking, I know. But it was. Keegan Murray, he's a rookie. He's not ready for this moment. I think you got to start Davion Mitchell for the rest of the series. And now I talked to Harrison Barnes. I'm asking him, hey, why, why didn't you guys push the pace like 
uh, Mike Brown said that you should and said that you want to. And he said, well, they were putting the ball in the basket too much. That's an unacceptable answer to me. No, you push the pace off of misses. You push the pace off of makes. That's what you do. That's how you get easier buckets. Otherwise, you're letting them set up their defense, and it makes it more difficult for you to get a make, and then they get out and transition on you, and now it's a melee. Now it's night-night sleep mask. Game four is at Chase on Sunday. I don't know what to make of it. They better make their shots, or they're going to go back 2-2, and then game five is going to be a pressure cooker, and I don't know what I'll do because I won't be in the building, and I'll have to watch it on TV, live, doing a live gangly show, and I think I might just lose my mind. That's all the time that we have for the episode of the Heat Check. Check back. Tuesday, we'll have more for you. Check up for the feed for past episodes, interviews just like this one that happened unexpectedly throughout the week. Please follow us on social at This Heat Check on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Tell your friends about the podcast, every single one. Any NBA fan you know that's not listening to The Heat Check and hasn't checked it out, can you just ask them, hey, can you give it a shot? The Heat Check doesn't sleep. I'm doing this from my hotel room, kicked up by my windows right outside of Lombard Street. I don't sleep. All right, I'll see you guys uh, Tuesday. Thanks for listening.